0: This podcast is brought to you by AG 3D Printing. Bring your ideas into reality. And what we can do is if you find a model online that you really like, or uh, there's a product you want to make, or you've got a school project, you're an engineer, or, or a, an archaeologist, or um, you've got some kind of model you've got to make to really blow away everybody with your research. Um, your science, your presentation, maybe it's maybe it's something you want to sell, you know, whatever kind of ideas you have, 3D printing can bring that into a, a reality, but 3D printing is not yet at the point where you can really, you know, everyone can do it, it's not like the iPhone, there's no iPhone of 3D printing, so you don't have the time, you don't, you don't have the time to get into it, to figure out a 3D printer, uh, but you need this done today, you know we can do that for you. We can help you bring those ideas to reality. So that way you can go from A to B to C faster. You can get more done and really refine your whatever product you're making, whatever thing you're doing. You know, 3D printing has a solution out there. And that's what we try and do here is solve solutions and bring your ideas into reality. So, AG 3D printing at ag3d-printing.com and on Instagram at ag3dprinting. And check us out. We've got a whole bunch of stuff coming up here in the future. So keep following along. And if you want to help support the podcast, Today in Space, then go to the Amazon link we have in this week's episode, every episode, and at the homepage of todayinspace.net forward slash home. If you go there, you can help support us there. Just do shopping as you do normally. And Amazon kicks us back a little bit. For you shopping through us That's it folks Welcome to this week's episode We are living in an alternate dimension Uh, Let us talk about What has happened since the last Episode Holy shit Oh my god Okay, let's do it Okay, so let's start off by saying, who saw that coming? I know I didn't. I did not see Donald Trump winning the presidency and now becoming President Trump. Did not fucking see that at all. But I will say I was prepared for it. Um, You know, in my mind, anything is possible, especially with politics. You know, I thought this year's... um, US election was going to go a way that nobody expected. Of course, the way I I thought it might happen was that neither candidate was going to get 270 electoral votes, and it was going to have to go to the House of Representatives to choose the president. But uh, it didn't go that way. Uh, it went a different way, and it's a very interesting thing, and I know there's a lot of people out there, uh, half the people that voted, um, that you know, they probably don't want to hear about this. I it's probably less than that, but um some people may not want to listen to this, but it is important. We have to talk about it. We can't avoid it. We can't run away from it. Um it's a very it's an important point in American history. And because I have talked about space politics and just politics in general, I've been doing you know, I was doing um you know, I I did a debate on on John Doherty's On the Edge show, defending Gary Johnson. Uh, you know, I, I want to do a little bit just to cover it because it is important, especially for space. Because right now, a huge portion of the direction of space industry is fueled by government funding. So we need to talk about this stuff because it is very important. So uh, a little bit on on my take of it. I think the people that did not think even one percent chance that trump was going to win have had a very very difficult time this past week um i understand i was there in 2012 i did not expect obama to win the second time and it completely shattered my world um you know you live and learn you know these things happen um but you know, the most important thing to take away from this is really that opportunity knocks you know, what just happened uh, was shook the whole ground as far as, like, uh, the political landscape. Because you have to look at it, you know, uh, with without the, the symbol or the person, Trump, you know, take him away. Just have him be a human being, which he is. Have him be a human being. Um. Basically, both political parties... Both major driving forces in the U.S. political system lost, and they lost because I think majorly people are just fed up with the way things are going, the way politics are run. They do not want to do that. They do not want to keep going the course that we've been going. Um, there's obviously, of course, the big things about, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton's uh the you know with all the Hillary leak, uh, Hillary uh, no WikiLeaks. Good lord, um, there was a lot of uh, bad. There, there was just a baggage. It was it was just that we all know there was no good candidate. And I'm not going to milk this too long. Um, there was no good candidate, but there was a clear change and direction for as far as where the United States would be going for the next four years. A direction no one expected, and I hope what you take away from this. Is that number one if you if you lost this election because I feel like a lot of people felt like they lost this election more than any other election uh before, and don't take it as a loss because once again, I've said this, maybe not on this show before, but i've I've said this for a while, and I know there's plenty of people who agree with this, just because I hope so, <laughs> just because. You vote someone in to the presidency. You don't just go, that's it, I'm done, I can get back to my life. It doesn't work that way. You know, there's a fight that's always going on, a fight for people's rights. You only have the rights that you fight for. Remember that. You only have the rights that you fight for. So if you just, close-up shop after you voted every four years and you don't like the direction that the country's in, well, guess what? You didn't put the work in. And I guarantee you, the minute that it was decided that we have President Trump, the people that really want to make a change were already planning their next moves. If they were really good, they already had their move planned, prepped, for the idea, for the the chance that Trump could win, because anything is possible, especially in politics, but also in life. So, if you're downtrodden, if you feel like, "Oh my God, the the world ended Tuesday," it didn't. It didn't. It's all good. And what you need to do is is figure out where you need to put your energy. You know, and I don't think it should be politics. If it is, great. But it should be in what you're doing. You know, I had a great week. I had a great week because this is like a... This is this is a whole new thing. And I voted for Gary Johnson because I was sick and tired of where the, the country was going. And I wanted some new change. Um, You know, but at the same time, I was also prepared for the fact that my candidate wasn't going to win. And I think there's a lot of people that didn't prepare for that. So... Gotta keep beating that with it, uh, beating that dead horse. Apparently, okay. Taking it in a different direction. As far as space goes, you know, to give you, you know, where you should put your direction. My direction in the next four years is going to be very busy. You know, I mean, historically, I, I don't, I don't uh, completely agree that just because Donald Trump was a uh, Republican that science and space science is going to suffer but we should never pull back just because one side says they're going to do it we should never pull back and say oh you know oh we can relax now our funding secure your funding is never secure never secure so there's been a lot of that talk online about how, oh, we need to worry now, we need to worry... No, you should always be worried. You should always be looking for what should be better. And I think this is good for the scientific community. I really do. I You know, this this there are a lot of people who uh, are looking at this as the end of days as far as science goes, and no, no, don't look at it that way. This is a br- a brand-new, wide-open field. We, you know, a lot of people, I hope... Take it as motivation to push forward and do better in what they're doing. You know, there's uh, there's definitely something about being pushed, you know, being get, get, getting a, a fire under your ass to get up and do better. And I think this was the fire under everyone's ass to say, all right, let's kick this into the, to the next gear. If you care about climate change, go out there and get involved. Spread the word, um, you know. And this is this is if you're not not at all involved. Obviously, if you if you're a climate change scientist, you're, if you're involved in energy, if you're involved in, you know, any of those things, you know, get to your next level. Like really dig in, get your craft, hone it down, and 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 be at your best. I mean, for me, I know this next four years, um, I'm I'm going to be extremely vocal about all the things um, that either should get funding or should be talked about. And, you know, that's where my aim is, is let's keep our focus on the prize, which is Mars, which is human exploration, which is ensuring the survival of the human race from an asteroid attack, from um, some other catastrophic event that would ruin the planet and then would leave us completely stranded unless we set up some kind of way to survive that. That's where my mind's at. Among other things. But take a second and think to yourself, what should I do? Where should my focus be? And and go from there. Go from there. This is wide open. Anything is possible. We found proof of that last week. Anything is possible. So we all need to be proactive. Now As my first step and to uh, put my money where my mouth is, I said I was going to be more vocal. So I typed up a tweet. And given that this is a new kind of president, a president that uh, we've never really seen before, one that's been very active online, probably the first president other than uh, Barack Obama. I mean, Barack Obama, uh, former president Barack Obama, apologize. um, He was very active online, um, active online. I shouldn't say very Um, because he had other important things to do. Now, Donald Trump, on the other hand, is a very vocal president, especially online. And what I would like to do is communicate with him in the medium that he seems to enjoy. So, I have a draft here to President Donald Trump at Real Donald Trump. Our uh, I'll start it over. Jesus, my mouth is not working, apparently. Donald Trump Our space program made slash makes America great. How will you make the private and government funded American space program great again? And I am hitting send. It's tweeted. I did it. It is over. And I'm asking the man himself, the big man. And, uh, (laughs) we'll see if I get an answer. If we do, that would be fucking crazy. Um, But that's what we need to do. Do not do not sit back and think that someone is your enemy and that there's nothing you can do. Literally go out there, get together, combine, become a group, have a voice, have a common voice with a real meaning and go after it. If we we will not get anything done unless we do it. And I hope that's more evident from this election than any other time. That if you want to make a change, if you want to make a difference, if you want to do good, if you want to have people, uh, if if you want to have people, no, that's not slavery, no. Uh, If, God, my mouth is not working today. Either that or my brain's just not connecting with my vocal box. Anyways, if you want to make sure that people have their rights, that people are not being... um, downtrodden and they're given a chance to fight we are the only ones who are going to be able to do that there's no politician no leader that we're going to elect that's going to do it for us newsflash it's on us so rant over but the moral is anything is possible so go out there and get yours okay all right so 15 minute rant over uh, let's move on with the show, all right folks. Remember Sky is infinite. Go for it, people out in the solar system uh there was a fantastic video taken um it was It was a compilation of images from the Cassini spacecraft uh at Titan, which is Saturn's largest moon and it's a video it's a whole time lapse of images taken over how long was it here uh, a course of 11 hours and it actually shows uh the formation of methane clouds in the skies um and it's it's really wild to watch um it's it's such a subtle thing but when you when you consider the fact that this is satellite that we sent, uh, a spacecraft that we sent to Saturn, and it's picking up these pictures of another world. We're watching summer uh, begin at, in in Titan in, uh, around Saturn. I mean, it's, it's wild. I mean, it's officially going to come in uh, May of 2017. Uh, summer on Titan. And uh, they're going to observe more cloud activity as spring shifts into summer. So, uh, the relatively clear skies, which you can tell from this video right now, um, you know, it's, it suggests that the current understanding of the giant moon's changing seasons is incomplete. Um, so, very, very interesting things. Yeah, guys, I guess with spring, you'd expect a lot more showers. But are we comparing other planets according to our just, you know, meager earth weather. I mean, can we, can we reasonably know what methane lakes, uh, are going to really do? Cause I'm assuming that's where the methane clouds are coming from, right? Does methane react in the same kind of weather as water or does that weather then change? You know, does, you know, uh, clearly the, you know, the mechanics of how, how that would work would change with different sized particles and atoms you know the different density, are different temperatures. Maybe that's broader. You know, does the stretch of time throughout weather does that change the dynamic of what happens with the weather? I don't know, but these are all questions I just had as I was th- talking about it. So <laughs> it's really cool. I think it's awesome. Um, I love missions like this, like Cassini, like New Horizons, where. We go to other worlds and we observe them and we figure out more about what's really out there. I mean, I, I remember looking in a in a dictionary back when I was in school, and this is the nineties, early two thousands. And you know, they had some stuff on the planets, but we didn't we didn't really know that much. We didn't know the subtleties, you know, of the planet. We just kind of knew a broad stroke, like even the pictures back when I was in school, they were just starting to get better. You know, the Hubble was, you know, during my lifetime, starting to f- start and, you know, change how we looked at the universe. So, yeah, it's come a long way. It's come a long way. And missions like this are, we need more of this stuff. This, this makes you want to go to another world and, and discover and observe and figure out what's there. So I love that. So I wanted to give you guys that link. Go check it out. It's pretty fucking awesome. And think about it. Use your brain. Think about what might be happening. What what would that do? It's a good it's a good test. It's a good test. Keeps you on your toes. Cool. Go check it out. So this Monday is a supermoon on November 14th. It actually kind of starts. Late night on the 13th, and then, you know, as the moon uh, sets and then rises the next day. Really, those those days you're going to see uh, the super moon. But why it's called super, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but, I mean, if by the numbers, which you'll probably hear, you know, if you hear about it on the news or on the internet, uh, that this moon is 14%, it'll appear 14% larger and 30% brighter than when it's at its furthest point from the Earth, or the at, at its apogee. At its perigee, when it's real close, this super beaver moon, which, again, the beaver, I'm not sure why it's a super beaver moon, um, it'll appear closer. But, you know, we're talking about 221,524 miles, you know, from the Earth to the moon, that's a, that's at its closest so it it's a really far distance so that that 14 percent and that 30 percent brightness is not really gonna make a big difference for you um i'm of course promoting it because people apparently jump at the idea of a supermoon so that's that's easy to promote <laughs> that one's an easy one uh but it's also really not not as super as it seems, and I was just reading this article from Space.com about this uh, supermoon, and uh, it's something, it's a quote from Neil deGrasse Tyson, and uh, he says that the term is highly overblown and that there's something called uh, there's something called the supermoon oh hey, here we are, context Uh, adding, I don't know who first called it a supermoon I don't know, but if you have a 16 inch pizza would you call that a super pizza compared with a 15 inch pizza? So that's kind of a it's kind of a good point. You know, it's very astrophysics-y, but uh it, that's it, it is true. It's like, yeah, just an extra inch on that diameter. It's really it's, it's it's not that much. And you know, the just the whole scope of things, you know, you're not going to notice huge dis- uh changes from afar. And the moon is far. So uh either way, it's a cool event. Uh, the best time to watch it, where you'll notice the biggest difference in size, is right as the moon is rising uh, over the horizon, because there's a there's an effect that happens. This article talks about what the name of it is called. Uh, let's see here, the moon illusion. Oh wait, hey. I could have thought that one up if I actually took the second to think about it. Um, <laughs> so yes, yeah, so this moon illusion happens. It's just a it's some kind of trick. I'm guessing it's how the light is bending at that point. But let me uh, read from this broadcast, from this broadcast, from this article. Um, Where'd you go? Oh, this is embarrassing. Okay, so let's just let's just Google moon illusion. Moon illusion, Google. Tell me. Tell me about it. That's an optical illusion which caused the moon to appear larger near the horizon than it is higher in the sky. It's been known in ancient times and recorded by various cultures. The explanation of this illusion is still debated. Alright, cool. So we're all talking out of our ass. Sweet. Um, so, the proof of illusion uh, from Aristotle in the 4th century B.C., is that, you know, the moon appears larger near the horizon due to real magnification effect caused by the Earth's atmosphere. Uh, this is not true. Although the atmosphere does change the perceived color of the moon, it does not magnify or enlarge it. Well, that's pretty. That's a pretty cool thought, though, from Aristotle. That's kind of like going through a lens. It's the whole reason, like, telescopes and microscopes work. Well, that's a pretty cool idea. Uh, now, it says, in fact... The visual image of the moon is about 1.5% smaller when it's near the horizon than when it is high in the sky, because it's actually farther away by nearly one Earth radius. Atmospheric retraction also makes the image of the moon slightly smaller in the vertical direction. So, all right. That didn't help at all. Um, Let's... (laughs) Let's move on to the next thing. So I had a thought this week and I wanted to share with you guys. And it kind of goes back to, you know, historically, you know, where does the space program get uh, the funding it always seems to need? Um, Well, you know, the answer to that historically is the space program needs to be something that's used uh, that has a it, it becomes a national defense Initiative, so whenever using space to defend ourselves nationally is important, then it receives the money it, it needs, which of course is the start of our uh, space programs. It started off militarily, and they got the money they needed to fund whatever projects they needed and It was like that until I believe it was uh, I believe it was Richard Nixon who changed it uh, from to no longer being a military-funded branch to being something that's equivalent to, like, the national parks. So, you know, given this whole thought of, okay, you know, with a change of regime comes what happens with the funding for space programs because, you know, a large directive force of the space program, although we have a, a flourishing private market comes from the government side, you know, the, the government agencies like NASA, like the European Space Agency, like um, Roscosmos, all these agencies are government run, um, you know, and they're supposed to be these beacons of science that that bring together the smartest minds to tackle the most difficult challenges. So one of the things that seems to happen, especially in times of peace, in times when uh, it's not being used militarily is it seems especially in this country to find a lack of funding and it it has an issue where you know we have a two party system and when one side decides to bring the direction of the agency somewhere else we're talking every four years this changes or every eight years it really changes you know, I don't think we've had really a long run. I was thinking about this the other day. Do, do, do we, in American history, is there more than an eight-year period that one party has held the White House? Um, that would be interesting to know. But regardless, my point was how do we, you know, what could give that funding be a military reason for us to enter this space race further along? But does it mean we're going to war? And I kind of racked my head around that for a little while. And the only case which I think could could be a possibility, you know, in in some near future, you know, if we were going to have to come together for some reason, you know, and I'm talking the entire Earth, it would be to defend against an asteroid. I mean, I think that would be... A. Really, really momentous occasion, I mean, for many reasons, number one being we have to make sure that we all survive. (laughs) So I think that right there, the vested interest to work together, you know, Russia, China, uh, Europe, America, all the space programs putting together their best to find the solution, find an answer to an asteroid that's going to destroy all of us. I think that's going to break down some walls as far as communications go. Um, And hearing the other day, what kind of spurred this thought too, was hearing the other day that NASA's asteroid protection grid right now can alert us within, I think it was five days, whether there's an asteroid that could hit us, which is uh, astonishingly, Astonishingly low Although I will say We haven't been working on it for very long So at least we have a number We have we have something to go off of Five days is not enough You know Knowing how long it takes Just to get a, a regular uh, Scheduled launch Going uh, Five days I don't even think is enough time To get the paperwork done So We need to work on that stuff We need to uh, There was also another article It must have been Preparing for an asteroid attack uh uh <laughs> week or something because there was another article where they were talking about how uh, NASA ran this uh it was with some agency i'm not I'm not hundred percent sure, but they ran this drill essentially what to do they were given details on an asteroid um, and they were given all the details down to okay you know the next time it comes into view uh you know what are we? how are we going to be able to look at it? You know, I think it was in opposition of the earth or the sun and earth. So they couldn't catch it for a little while. So they to get more data. And once, you know, they found out that it's a hundred percent going to hit the planet, they started figuring out, okay, you know, where now is it going to hit to, like, specifically on the planet? You know, figure out the rotation as that asteroid's coming around, you know, okay, how many rotations of the earth and the position it's going to hit, uh, where might that hit? And, and essentially it was mostly evacuation plans. It was mostly, how do we get people, uh, massive amounts of people? I think it was even the asteroid was supposed to hit like downtown LA or something like that. So how do you evacuate the people of LA, uh, fast enough with enough time so that, you know, we could get people safe, but there really wasn't any talk of what we would do to deflect an asteroid or to destroy an asteroid. or, And I feel like that's where we should be focusing. You know, I mean, I think, I think it's good steps. I'm not criticizing any of the steps we're taking already. I just, I don't think they're enough. You know, I think having a plan for if we can't stop an asteroid and we do have to let it hit, you know, um, assuming it's not going to destroy the whole planet yeah you got to move people so so that plan does make sense but um i don't think the drive to figure out a good way to do this is there yet um so i'm 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 saying right now we should have a plan <laughs> we should have a fucking plan for if an asteroid is coming i i, I truly think the deflection plan is uh long term the best thing to do uh, of course if putting Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck on a ship uh, with the power of Aerosmith behind them to destroy an asteroid with a nuke. And it works great. I'm good with that. But, you know, I'm not sure how detonating an explosive, how good that's going to work. So we just need to come up with some plans. I mean, I love the idea of, like, uh, attaching a solar sail, you know, going out there, attaching a solar sail to the asteroid... And just, you know, letting the solar particles kind of drift that thing away in a different direction. I like that. But there's a lot of problems. you got to figure out, can you drill into the asteroid? You know, same problem they ran into in Armageddon. You know, the bits kept blowing because it was super, super uh, strong material. There's some kind of space iron. Who knows? So, uh, so probably some kind of carbon lattice would be my guess. It's something really hard. Um But that's something we could run into, and I mean, you know, when you've got a lack of gravity, you're going to have a hard time drilling if you can't latch yourself onto the surface to keep that drill down. That drill's going to bounce right out of that hole every single time. So it's not as easy as it seems. Uh, You know, there's plenty. I mean, you know, we talked about it in the last episode with John, you know, with the asteroid Bennu, I mean, they're going to be taking so many readings about this asteroids. We'll be able to learn how it's expanding and contracting and the gases are releasing and, and changing that orbit. Sli- there's a slight wobble, you know, d- based on the seasons that that asteroid is uh, going into, you know. Um, and on a daily basis, it's heating up, it's cooling down. All those things are affecting its path as it's moving around. You know, it's not just gravity. You know, these little... Uh, thermal changes do a lot to change where an asteroid is going how how it 's getting somewhere and <clears throat> it's uh it's a really complicated equation so you know to recap it up I think having that asteroid detection system getting it above five days would be helpful just a little bit give us like five years I think five years is a solid solid goal to set for when our detected detection system should go off. But you also got to think of it too, you know, I'm sure the scope of our asteroid detection system uh, seems large as far as its size, but um, we're talking about tracking objects moving through our entire solar system at a specific point. And we're not the center of that orbit. So, You've got a lot of different massive objects that are going through. We know the paths of near nearby Earth objects pretty well. Mm-hmm. Not great, but pretty well. But we're only catching glimpses of these giant ellipses, these giant circles of paths that these things are taking. So, and granted, not to throw a wrench in the whole thing, but that's only in our solar system. You know, that's only in our general area. You know, because I'm sure we're not necessarily looking at things outside the main asteroid belt. We're probably only looking at things inside. You know, if you go further out to um, the Kuiper belt and, and other, you know, the ore cloud, uh, you know, there's so much more out there that we may not even be able to see. So I think it's going to be like a net, a, kind of like a field thing. You know, the the farther we can get this field to go and the more data we get on objects that are out there what the paths they're taking and chronologically keeping track of them then we'll be able to have a better understanding because that's the other thing too this is a very long term thing you know in order for us to defend ourselves and know what could hit us means we're going to have to have an understanding of what is normal and anything that goes outside that range of normal we need to raise alarm to so that means knowing the paths of all the near earth objects that we have that Are are around us Plotting those trajectories Making sure we know where they are It's a big fucking project So it's gonna take a while You know And now is a time Now when space has its 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 foot in the game Socially You know Talking about going to Mars Is socially acceptable (laughs) It's part of pop culture You know the fact that movie the the movies have seemed to gravitate to it for many reasons i think a big reason being it's fucking awesome uh another big reason being that you know the industry is looking for things to get people to come to the theaters and now we have the ability to do these incredible beautiful looking sharp looking uh stories and movies and 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 you know diving further into the space narrative and 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 trying to test ourselves like Interstellar, testing what would you do, uh, you know, if the Earth was really screwed, and and you had to you know, dealing with all these different issues that no one's ever dealt with, and you're on your own. It's not like there's another mission coming. You know, just dealing with that and the consequences of of. Good God, getting that close to supermassive black hole and time, relativity—that's that movie. In a, in the perfect sci-fi way, shows you so much about you know the devastations of space. Uh, gravi- gravity was pretty good, especially for like a modern tale of what could have happened. Um, it's good. It's a, it's a very solid story. I think it's it's a good one to watch. Uh, once really big you know okay shut the lights off get the popcorn you know full surround sound system and just enjoy that movie once on a really as big a screen as you can get uh that's a great one um not my favorite but it but it's you know it's still like an eight <laughs> so um solid solid movie and there's there's so many coming out now too i mean it's it's really great I mean the Martian the Martians a great one too, because that one kind of shows you you know sticking with it working the problem solving it takes it's a very NASA approach it's a very um, science approach of just you know work the problem use like use science to help yourself get out of a situation you know and always look for the opportunities so uh, I think we need to keep capitalizing on that and, and keep making it interesting and getting people a little bit more involved. And things like this asteroid detection system will come better. Going to Mars will get better. Um, different science that we do in space will get better. You know, I think this convergence of CubeSats uh, getting more popular and and more students and universities getting involved in it is great because that's going to become its own industry, you know, there's gonna be the satellite industry and then there's gonna be the cube satellite industry. It's gonna be completely on its own. You'll be able to do f- science faster, cheaper. Um they'll be in two different tiers, I think. I feel like the CubeSat tier of satellites are gonna be that industry is gonna be really geared towards short term missions, but get them out quickly and and I'll and it's gonna that the people in that market are gonna be very diverse. I mean um, their needs are going to be very diverse, but they're pretty much going to be dealing with their needs in their own. You know, their satellite will be completely it. You know, they won't need too much. The only end that the industry will have to do is just releasing them. Um, and then, you know, the main satellite business is going to stay there. I mean, uh, sending payloads that heavy, you know, that industry is not going to change much, but, um, uh, maybe it with the cube satellite industry growing maybe they'll be able to get more specialized and uh, you know their market will probably trim out a little bit better it'll be interesting just to see where everything lies at that point and I think we're at a really good time for this intersection of things to happen um, you know uh, however you thought this election was going to go it doesn't matter any election you know government funding for these space endeavors is is the name of the game so I personally don't like playing the game of, you know, having to every four years or every eight years basically say, I don't know if my job is available anymore. Um, I don't really think that's to to, to 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 put the exploratory path for space, for science in the hands of something you can't control doesn't really make much sense to me. So I think doing everything you can to make sure that you have separate industries, it's like diversification of your money, you know, your stock portfolio or whatever, you know, or your investments. Diversify, man. Like, don't put it all in one basket. That's, that's I think, one of the biggest problems we've had with with NASA and with all these other programs is there's been no diversification. So having a private industry where you, you allow the private industry to... Uh, open up our ability to launch off Earth again from the United States. That is a huge, and to resupply the International Space Station, that's covering two major, major things that the the NASA budget has had to pay for the whole time. <coughs> so now, you've got a little bit more strength, you've got a little bit more robustness in uh, the... Political funding uh, nightmare <laughs> tsunami. I don't know. Whoa, call it whatever you mean something torrential. So, and and totally uh, unpredictable. With the cubesat industry, you you now add, add into a, a whole nother industry in itself and, and science that can that can pursue, that can, you know, continue. Um, and it's great too, because I feel like it's gonna, it's, it's an influencer. You know, it's something that is going to make the next generation of scientists, of engineers, you know, allowing them to get involved in space science earlier is only going to solidify them in, in their careers and, and, and what they can do later on in life. So, uh, I think I think the possibilities are endless for that. And I think there's plenty to look forward to. So, you know, if 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 you know you were down this week and and just didn't know what world <laughs> you lived in anymore, or your reality was completely shattered, you know, don't worry. The the fight, as they say, has only begun. And you know, there's no better time for for you to get serious and start thinking about, you know, where do we help, you know, where, where do I fit in in this? What, what can I do to help do this? You know, for me, it's science. So, so my question is, what can I do to help continue what we've been doing here? You know, continue the work, spread the news of what people are doing in science and, and, and just keep it going. I mean, you know, we got to get better at it. We got to be more efficient, um, um, those that rely on funding um you know i've i've heard a few it's not my world but i've heard a few things online that i think's pretty good i think you know they they're, they're going to have to really step up to the plate you know they're going to have to do some really really amazing things and 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 reach high that's what it's going to come down to and then pull it off so You know, if you're any young engineers who have been looking for your chance, here it is. Here it is, people. This is the time to pull off some crazy science shit. You know, and the funding will stay there. The funding will stay there. Plus, who knows what the future might hold here. If if for some reason social media and science finds a nice way to uh, work together, then we may be able to, you know, Promote our sciences together and uh, and not need to wait until we find a politician to find us funding to then make the work happen. You know, this, this the, the possibilities are endless. But the most important thing is to find a path, find something you want to do and stick to it. Focus on it. Work on it. That's it, people. That's all you got to do. Worry about yourself. Get yourself better. And we make momentum. Make changes. And everything's going to be good. All right. So, until next week, have a great week. Enjoy yourselves, and don't forget to spread love, spread science, and have a great week, everybody. See you later.